This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. In today's episode, we're going to talk about where is the best place for you to learn jazz. Is it music books? Is it YouTube videos and podcast episodes like this? Is it courses? Is it memberships? Or is it private lessons? We're going to go through and talk about the pros and cons of each one. Coming on up. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards, where musicians just like you learn how to play jazz all while shortening the learning curve, no matter what instrument you play. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. If you're a long-time listener, thank you so much for being here. I do not take your listen for granted. And if it's your very first time, a very special welcome. I mean, normally we talk a lot about, you know, music theory and improvisation tips and all that good stuff on the podcast. But of course, a question that might come up for you as someone who's looking to improve your jazz playing or get back into music or get back into jazz, improve your jazz skills you know, dive deeper into your hobby, whatever it happens to be, you may wonder like, where is the best place to learn how to play jazz to reach my jazz goals? Okay. Now this episode, by the way, isn't going to be about me promoting my courses or our membership. Cause as you know, already, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know, learn jazz standards, we do have lots of courses and we have our inner circle membership. And so I'm not here to uh, go and tell you, Hey, by the way, the inner circle is the best place for you to learn how to play jazz. Now, it could be, um, but I'm going to be very fair and try to be very, um, you know, non biased here and just simply lay out the different pros and cons of each approach, right? And again, we're not talking so much today about like how is the best way to learn jazz? Like, oh, should you learn it by ear or should you learn it by music theory? Like we're not talking about that today. It's more about where. So the five that we're going to talk about is music books. And then number two is YouTube videos, podcasts, and blogs. Three is courses. Four is memberships. And five is private lessons. And I want to give you the pros and cons of each one because ultimately the answer to this question isn't a one size fits all. It really comes down to what is the best option for you that works best for you and your situation. And my goal is to simply help you understand that better today so that you can eventually take some sort of action to improve your jazz playing, which is ultimately why I do this podcast in the first place. Okay, so number one is music books. Number one is music books. Now, music books have been used to learn music and jazz for forever, right? For since learning music has become institutionalized, right? Which has been a very long, long time. So none of us are foreign to the concept of going to a music store 
and buying a music book. And of course, nowadays, going on to Amazon or some online store to buy a music book. Like this is very, very common. And of course, now we also have ebooks, right? So ebooks just simply being a digitized version of basically the same thing, right? It's just simply that you're downloading a PDF or something onto your Kindle and you're getting all of this information, right? So let's talk about the, the pros first of music books. So one huge pro for a music book is you're usually getting a lot of information for a cheap price, okay? So a lot of information there, right? You're not paying a ton of money, but you're getting really a lot of stuff. In fact, as someone who has created multiple music method books, I can tell you that the author is almost always pouring a very large quantity of his or hers knowledge into these books, right? So you're getting a lot in these books. And also being an author of, um, again, multiple books, like I've done traditional publishing. I've published two music books through Hal Leonard. And I've also done many, uh, not many, but I would say a handful of self-published music books, right? Having done this, a lot of thought and time and effort is put into these books, right? So you're not just getting someone's off-the-cuff knowledge or a little bit sprinkled here and there. Usually it's very well thought out, like the information that they want you to learn um, is laid out in such a way where they want to be very accurate, they want to present themselves in the best way, and they're trying to pack um, the most amount of knowledge and just basically they're dumping their brain onto a page and trying to just deliver a ton of value, right? So a lot of information there for your money, right? Now, another pro of music books is that once you have them, you can keep referencing them forever, right? So because there's a lot of information in them, you may want to go back later and and use them again and go and, and find more information to learn, right? So you basically... It's, it's essentially like going and creating any kind of library for anything, right? You have a bookshelf full of books. Like, let's just say you're interested in um, learning the art of meditation. And so you keep reading all these books on meditation, but you also have this library to kind of go and, and, and go back and read about, about whatever topic you happen to have, right? So you're building up this, this knowledge information base. And that can be something that's really helpful for different seasons that you go through as a musician. You may need um, to work on technical concepts on your instrument, and here's a good book for that. You may need to work on you know, jazz vocabulary, and so here's a great book on jazz vocabulary that you can work on. You may need to work on patterns for jazz and you there's a book for that, so on and so forth. You, you're building up this vocabulary of things that you can reference when you need them, okay? So a lot of great things coming from music books. Like, obviously, they've been done for a long time and they're a very traditional way of someone getting self-help, but not only just self-help, Books are used in institutions or even private teachers are using books to teach out of them because they are great resources, a huge wealth of information, right? Okay, so now what are the cons of learning from music books for jazz, right? Or really any music, but we're focusing on jazz especially here today, of course. So 
The biggest con is one that you're going to know right away when I say it, which is music books are not usually very actionable, okay? They're not usually very actionable. So what I mean by that is music books aren't often asking you to do anything. They're just telling you a bunch of stuff to know, right? Now, there are exceptions to the rule. For example, in my books, I've always tended to try to be action-oriented, like here's this thing and then do this, right? But for the most part, music books that I've read, that I've been through, they'll give you a bunch of exercises, but there's not like a really strong sense of like, here's what to do. This is the thing to do first, and here's the thing to do next. In fact, a lot of times books are, you know, laid out in categories or chapters that are, you know, like here's the the chapter on on comping and here's the chapter on um, you know, dry, you know, uh bebop language, right? So they're not always in sequential order. But even books um kind of like the ones that I've tried to make, they still lack something for someone trying to learn, which is there's not a lot of sense of helping someone stay motivated to go through your book. In fact, this is something that I learned in my career at Learn Jazz Standards and trying to help people learn how to play jazz is that while ebooks and books are a great thing for people to use and there's definitely nothing wrong with them, I found that they aren't the best way for me to teach myself and therefore I don't actually create them anymore. Not because I don't think the books that I have aren't incredibly valuable and people shouldn't buy them, but because I feel personally like there are better ways that I can teach people now, okay? But that doesn't necessarily mean that the answer for you isn't music books because again, if you're on a budget and if you want a lot of wealth of information and you're a highly motivated person that is able to see th- see th- things through on their own, then a music book could be a great option for you. And even if a music book isn't your main resource that you want to learn jazz with, I think it's a good idea to have some music books in your library that you think would be helpful or as a tool to aid you because having those tools available to you can really pay off and fill in blanks that might be there as you go through whatever else you're using to learn jazz. Okay, so number one is music books. Okay, number two is what I would call online content. Okay, so online content. When I talk about online content, I'm talking about blogs, okay? So for example, learnjazzstandards.com, that's our blog. In fact, Learn Jazz Standards started as a blog, which essentially is um, a music book, but not organized usually whatsoever very well at all. But it's a place to essentially get free information, right? Almost all blogs are free. And usually the blogger is putting up one-off lessons on different things, right? Like how to learn all the things you are. Here's a blog post about that with a lesson that goes over it. How to work on your drop two voicings, right? Okay, here's a lesson to go on drop two voicings. Um, Okay, and there's also YouTube, right? So YouTube is probably the most popular one of online content. 
Like billions and billions and billions of people around the world use YouTube every single day. And a lot of people are using YouTube in a search function, meaning they're searching for an answer to a question, right? So you might go to the Learn Jazz Standards YouTube channel or any of the other jazz YouTube channels that are out there or whatever YouTube channel to find information. And again, it's kind of the same concept. It's free and you're usually getting content served on a one-off basis. Like, okay, today, here's a lesson on this concept, right? Doesn't necessarily usually have another lesson associated with it, although it can, but usually that's how it's being presented to you. Okay, and then lastly, for the free content, I would say is podcasts, right? Like this one you're listening to right now. And again, same content, uh, same concept rather, as I've been talking about, but in the auditory form, right? Um, Now, of course, there's also social media, but I think these are the main best ways online, especially for free to learn how to play jazz, right? YouTube videos, podcasts, and blogs. And each one is helpful in its own way. Like, If it's something super visual, which music can be, YouTube is a great way to go. Um, If you're someone who's commuting a lot or in the gym and likes listening and music is also very auditory, then podcasts are great. Um, Blog posts, if you're just searching on Google, like oftentimes you're going to get an article that's going to come up. And so reading through a blog post could be good too. So let's go over the, the pros first. So the pro is it's free, right? We all know that. Like it's free to watch a video on YouTube, free to, to, to listen to a podcast, free to read a blog article on Google, off of Google that you find on Google, right? Most of the time, like, yeah, sometimes there's a subscription associated with these things, but most of the time we're finding all this for free. So if you don't have a budget at all, you can always learn for free online. And of course, um, sometimes those creators are getting paid just through ads, like for on YouTube, for example. Um, if an ad is being played on that YouTube video, that means the creator is getting some kind of small cut. Um, podcast episodes, not usually, right? Usually people are selling their products and services on podcasts, right? So you'll be listening to all this stuff for free, but as you've definitely probably heard on my podcast, I'm also always constantly talking about our Inner Circle membership and how that's a good place to go to. So while you're getting that, you're still going to get everything for free, right? So that's definitely a pro. It's free. Everybody likes free, okay? Um Another pro is you're usually getting fairly good content, especially if it's a well-known blog or podcast or YouTube channel, because ultimately in order to become well-known on these, these free platforms, which is like all the podcast platforms, all Google and um, all, all that stuff, like these are search engines and they have algorithms. And so creators of these things know that they have to create pretty high quality content that appeases these algorithms in order to be served up so that someone like you can go find it and watch it. And so therefore, you know, the the low quality content kind of gets weeded out and you're less likely to find it, but the good quality content you're more likely to find. So in other words, you're getting good instruction, like good musical instruction, entertaining and, you know, usually very instructional for free, right? So that's definitely a pro. It's not like you're getting bad information. I mean, although you very much so can get bad information, right? 
Now, another good thing, another pro about all these things is that you can usually get a diversity of opinion, right? So for example, like you might listen to my podcast, but then you'll listen to another jazz podcast and they might have a slightly different take on things. And honestly, at the end of the day, that's not a bad thing at all, right? Having a diversity of ideas is good. Like for example, I like to listen to business podcasts, online business podcasts. Why? Because I have an online business. So I want to hear about how to create a better business, right? How to improve my business. So I'm usually not listening to just one person though. Like I have people I follow more than others, but I'm usually listening to at least several different influencers who usually have somewhat of a different perspective that offer me something I didn't think of before, right? So that can also be a really great pro, okay? So a lot going for the free content, uh, online content category there that can really help you learn. So let's talk about the cons though, because there are definitely cons here for sure. Okay, so con number one is the same reason why it's a pro and it's because it's free, okay? Now that might sound strange to some of you, to others that does not sound strange. It can be a detriment when something is free because you don't have what's called skin in the game, okay? Um, We understand skin in the game as meaning like, if there isn't any sacrifice on your end, then there's less likelihood that there's actually going to be follow through. And I've seen this play out not only in my life constantly, but very often with other people who engage in my content and my stuff. The people that usually pay for something are much more likely to get results because you have skin in the game, right? You've dedicated something to it, right? And this is especially true, by the way, if you buy something for cheap versus something that costs a lot more money. And I'll give you a great example, right? So I've purchased many business books. Let's go back to the fact that I do like to learn about creating a better business. I've purchased lots of business books um, and I have a great library of it. Again, tons of amazing information in there. And usually these books are like anywhere from like six bucks to 20 bucks, right? They're pretty cheap in the grand scheme of things. Um, Now, more recently though, I actually invested in business coaching And this business coaching was quite expensive. Like it actually, we had to get on a call, a pre-sale call to to make the decision. Um, It was a big investment, had to talk to my wife about it. It was literally something that had to be thought about because it was a significant investment. But the amount that I have invested myself into that since purchasing it is a lot more than taking action on the business books, right? Because suddenly I've got a lot of skin in the game and I want to maximize that investment of my money and my time. I really want to see results from what I put into it. So therefore I'm more willing to spend time. I'm more willing to be intentional about it. And so that's the thing with free content is you don't have a lot of skin in the game. So you have to be extra intentional. And and many times I also say to myself like, Hey, I know this is free, but I really need to take action on this. And it's good. And you can do that. However, it still holds true for me that the things that I actually purchase are the things I actually truly do take action more on than others, right? Okay. So that's the biggest con with the free content. The second con though is kind of what I alluded to before, which is usually 
there is not a rhyme or reason to it. There's not a pathway involved in it. There's not a, here's what you do first and here's how you get to X goal. It's usually just one-off lessons that are being given to you. There's usually not a connection with them. Even if there's a short series to them, usually it's not something that it's in the form that is um, truly something to engage with or or get a pathway to. It's a bunch of one-off lessons. And by the way, this is often by design anyways, because most people, including myself, use our platforms like our YouTube channels or our podcasts or our blogs as gateways into our actual products. Like I'm just kind of being transparent with you and showing you how the machine works. And I think you know it anyways. Like you know, you give away free content so that you can get to know who I am or who somebody else is first before you would invest your money with them. And it's not necessarily that you have to invest money with uh, someone who has a YouTube channel or, or a podcast. You don't have to do that at all, right? And we don't expect you to everybody to do it, but it's just we put that out there because ultimately we people buy things from from people that they trust that they're going to be an expert in it and the an easy way for someone to become an expert in something is to simply show and platforms such as YouTube such as podcasts such as blogs can help do that right so that's just a little bit of transparency of how the machine actually works anyways but it's just important that you know that that is what you're getting okay so those are the pros and the cons of the free content world okay number 3 Number three is courses. Okay, now there's a couple different kinds of courses and there could be some discrepancy with the value of them. So there's first of all courses that you would take at a college, right? So these would be like traditional courses where you pay tuition and then you show up physically to a course. And that's one thing, right? The other one is online courses, which is probably more of what those who are listening to this podcast are thinking about when I talk about actual courses, is online courses. So I think the pros and cons of whether they're in person or online are actually kind of similar anyways, but I'll still hone in mostly just on the online courses. So what are the pros of courses? Okay, so courses are really good in the sense that they usually are set up to help you get from point A to point B, right? So in other words, it's the opposite of YouTube and podcasts. It's not just one-off lessons that are being thrown at you that may have nothing to do with each other. It's usually based around a concept. So for example, it could be how to master jazz blues, right? And so lesson one is going to be a very basic level of mastering jazz blues And the very final lesson should, if it's a good course, have brought you to some sort of progression, right? Some sort of progression. So in other words, what makes courses great, especially um, online courses, the way they have kind of shaped up to be, is that you're kind of buying into a result. You're buying into like, this is what I want to get at. I want to get at this specific topic and I actually want to pathway through it, right? The pathway is super important, and that's why courses are particularly effective, and that's why so many different um, people from all different kinds of industries are really doing a lot of online courses because 
they really can have the potential to produce a lot of results for people, okay? So that first pro is that they usually have some sort of pathway involved that will help get you to a goal. Now, second is usually, not always, there are free courses out there, but usually there is skin in the game, right? We talked about how like paying money can actually be a good thing, right? It can actually be something that's helpful. Usually courses will have some sort of skin in the game. And that can be helpful for your success because you may or may not, but usually will be a little bit more engaged in that material and actually want to take action on that course, okay? So that's the pros of the courses. A lot of great things about courses if you ask me as far as it goes. And that's kind of why in my progression with Learn Jazz Standards, I sort of started with eBooks and things like that. Well, actually we started with resources like backing tracks and then we went to eBooks and then we sort of went to courses because it became apparent that not everybody was using the books, right? They would have them, but they wouldn't necessarily take action on them or they couldn't really document their progress or they weren't set up in a way to help you get from point A to point B. They were just, again, a vast amount of great knowledge, but courses was a better way to help you learn something, right? Okay. So those are the pros of courses. What are the cons of courses? So one con of courses is, especially online courses, is that there still isn't a lot of accountability. Oftentimes courses don't have built-in communities with them. Sometimes they do, but oftentimes not. Um, So you still have to rely on self-motivation in order to get there, right? You have to be self-motivated to make it through the course. And I forgot what the actual stat is, but the stat of how many people actually finish online courses, it's actually astoundingly low. It kind of is a little depressing, especially for the person making the courses. The stat is, is something like less than 20%. I mean, it might even be less than 10% actually make it through to the end of a course that they buy, right? And why is that? It's because the idea of the course is, and the transformation of the course, especially if someone did their marketing right, is exciting. Like you want to do that. But again, when push comes to shove and life gets in the way and time gets in the way, you may or may not end up actually taking action on that course, right? So that's kind of the problem with online courses. A pro, for example, of an in-person course is kind of like you have to be there for that course. Um, and you're going to show up physically to be at that course and something's going to be demanded of you. But still, I can tell you from experience, having gone to college and gotten a degree in jazz performance, you don't have to show up to every single class and you certainly don't have to do all the work and you certainly don't have to do it all very well. Um, plenty of examples of squandering money there with in-person courses right? So it doesn't guarantee you success by any stretch, right? Uh, The other thing about online courses is not all online courses are actually set up to be actionable, right? A lot of them can be sort of set up like books, but just a little bit more sequential, right? My courses, for example, I tend not to just do that, Literally at the end of every single lesson, there is a call to action to do this X thing. And there's a resource involved to help you do that. 
So a lot of courses also do that, but not all courses are created equal. Sometimes it's just like, here's a bunch of more information and it's not actually something guided. So with music, you really want to think about that because music is a little bit different. Music isn't like, um, you know, how to learn business. Like I've been using as an example. It's right. It's very much so like to get better at music, you have to practice. So I would highly recommend if you're going to invest in a music course, make sure that it's somewhat of a practice course, not just a, here's a bunch of licks to learn, or here's a bunch of random lessons on the topic of blues. It's more like, here's a practice program that's going to get me from point A to point B. So not all courses are created equal. Okay. So those are the pros and cons. Okay, number four is memberships. Okay, memberships. Um, now, memberships are, um, you know, they, they come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. But traditionally, we're talking about music memberships. It usually involves some kind of recurring lesson that you're getting, usually on a monthly basis, and sometimes can actually include a library of courses or content, right? A library of courses or content that you have access to for as long as you remember. Now, this is where we ultimately navigated to here at Learn Jazz Standards for a few different reasons. Like one reason being we eventually over time came out with a handful of courses, right? And it seemed a little bit counterintuitive to us at some point to just simply offer these courses separately. So yes, it was a business decision. But at the same time as well, we liked the idea of just having a hub where if you were a member, you would have access to everything that we had, right? So if you really needed to work on rhythm changes, you had access to it. If you really needed to work on the blues, you had access to it. If you really needed to work on ear training, you had access to it. You needed to work on music theory, you had access to it, right? So that was one hand. The other hand of it was having to do with this ongoing reoccurring content aspect of it. And that brings us to pro number one, right? So what we decided at Learn Jazz Standards was that it's helpful when someone has one thing to do every single month, right? Because what happens with courses, we talked about the con, is that sometimes people find a course too overwhelming, they, they don't end up finishing the course, right? They don't end up seeing it through. But what if you just had one thing to do every single month? You're so much more likely to actually accomplish that one thing every single month. Now for us, our reoccurring content that we offer our members in the inner circle is a new monthly jazz standard study. And our goal every single month is to learn a new jazz standard, right? That's our goal. Learn a new jazz standard because that's what we believe over time and the different things that we do while learning that jazz standard are the things that are actually going to help you improve as a jazz musician over time, right? So pro number one, potentially of a membership is that you have one thing to do every single month and you can accomplish something a little bit more tangible. Okay, so that's pro number one. Now, pro number two, I already sort of alluded to, and that is usually a membership involves some kind of content library, at least when it comes to music education, I've noticed. It's like, here are a bunch of courses that we have that you can pick and choose from, right? So in other words, you're getting a lot for less money. Because usually memberships are priced in such a way that 
the amount you pay monthly or yearly is less than what you would pay for two courses, right? So for example, if you're paying for an annual membership, you know, usually it'll be less than the amount you would pay for two courses or three courses. In other words, it's a better value to have everything instead of buying a course individually, right? That's how it works for you uh, buying something. Or if it's monthly, right, you're paying a smaller fee every single month to have access to everything, right? And again, also to have access to that reoccurring content, right, that will help you learn and grow, okay? So great value for getting a lot. Similar to a book, but again, a lot more, in my opinion, value-packed things within a membership, like courses, like drip monthly studies or things like this that can help you make get actual results, okay? So those are kind of the pros of memberships. And there's more I could say about memberships, but I'm going to try to restrain myself because obviously I'm a little biased, right? The cons, let's talk about the cons of memberships. So the cons can be that it still leads to overwhelm, okay? So for example, if in a membership, there is a library of courses, you can get into a membership and go, I still actually don't know what to do or where to start because there's so much here. So it's like, great that I have access to all this stuff. It's awesome. I have lots of different pathways to choose from, but what works for me? Okay. And that can be a problem with the membership. That's why actually in the inner circle, we've invested a lot of time into our onboarding process to help point people to the right direction first, because it is a legitimate problem that membership owners face when trying to help out their members when they join their music membership. Okay. So that's one con. Another con can be that there still isn't enough skin in the game, right? So usually again, memberships are a value proposition. It's like you can get a lot of value for less price. And really it's on the membership owner to show you how valuable it is so that you keep subscribing month after month after month so that of course they make more money over time with their business. In other words, the more that they can help you, the more that business will it will thrive. Essentially is how the, the model works, right? So it can still be a detriment to you going for the value proposition because there is still usually not as much skin in the game. Um, but that also depends on perception because some people view the fact that they're committing to actually paying something monthly or yearly as skin in the game as well. That's a little bit different than just simply paying a large sheer amount of money. It can kind of be a commitment to say every month I'll pay this versus I'll pay all of this money just at one time and then it's over with. Okay. Another con of a membership is once you stop being a member, you don't have access to any of the stuff anymore, right? So all of the good content and all of the great lessons and the courses and the studies and the whatever have you the membership is offering, you no longer have access to it anymore. Whereas with a music book or with a course, you pay for it once Usually you have that for lifetime. Now, different courses have, and different businesses have different um, ways they handle that, right? But usually that's kind of the case. You buy it once, now you have it, and it's in your library, your digital library, or your physical library forever. Now, again, the last con is that it still 
may not solve the problem of helping you follow through to the end, right? It may still not be set up in such a way to help you do that. So for example, not all memberships have a reoccurring piece of content or a big goal that someone must accomplish in a month, kind of like how we do in the inner circle, learn one jazz standard a month, right? That's our big thing. And that's a tangible goal for most people. So while memberships can help you break things down to more tangible goals, if they're set up in such a fashion, it still doesn't mean that you're actually going to use that membership because there's usually not enough accountability built into it. Now, usually online memberships have communities built into them. So if it's a thriving community like we have in the inner circle, if one does engage in the community, then they'll get lots of encouragement and motivation and documentation of their progress. And the I'll like someone like me and members of my team will give you feedback and help and stuff like that. But that's only if you actually engage in the community. Otherwise, it's hard to stay in contact, right? So it doesn't guarantee that you're going to do it. And again, it's a skin in the game kind of an issue, right? So it doesn't quite solve that problem 100%. Okay, number five, and the last one we're going to talk about today is private lessons, okay? Private lessons. Now, private lessons have been going on since really forever, right? I mean, there's always been someone having an apprentice or whatever have you where they were teaching someone else that didn't know as much about a certain subject matter. They're teaching that one-on-one individually, right? And this also happens in a group setting. Like we talked about like courses, like at a college where there's classes, right? But I'm more so talking about private lessons where it's like you hire a teacher to work with you one-on-one to help you improve your jazz playing right? That's really what I'm talking about. So this is nothing new. It's kind of like music books. This isn't a a brand new thing. Private lessons has been around for forever, right? So let's talk about the pros. So pro number one is you pay for it, right? So there is skin in the game as far as money goes. And how much skin in the game honestly really depends, right? If it's someone who doesn't really have a big name, is just kind of a local teacher, um, then you know maybe their their charge per lesson or per month of lessons, however they structure their 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 business, isn't actually a big commitment financially. And again, it depends on financially where you're at as well. But if you're studying with someone who does have notoriety, for example, um, when I started studying with some of the teachers that I've studied with in New York, who are big touring jazz musicians who have big followings, who pack out their clubs, who have lots of students trying to come to them, then you're going to be paying a substantial sum of money for one lesson. And you're going to really want to pay attention to everything they're saying, record the lesson and actually take action because you paid good money to be there, right? So the amount of skin in the game financially really depends on what the teacher is, right? But you're still going to be paying for it. And again, I tend to think that's a good thing. Okay, so the next pro is usually private lessons, you're getting a more personalized experience, right? Because something that none of the ones we've talked about so far can do, music books, online content, courses, memberships, 
they can't give you such a personalized experience where literally someone is evaluating your playing for what it is and from their perspective are giving you what they think they should work on based on that information. I mean, even though we attempt to do things like this in our Inner Circle membership, it's impossible for the over 1,500 members that we have for us to find an individual plan for each person. It's just very difficult to do. And that's why we structure our membership in such a way that it can work for many people, right? So that's a huge pro of private lessons is that you're able to have access to someone who can give you that individualized support, who can give you a great pathway forward based on your weaknesses and your strengths. Like I can pretty much say that I've never fully regretted taking a lesson from a good teacher. Okay. Uh, I'll emphasize good teacher and we'll talk a little bit about that in just a second, but you know, a good teacher who I respected, who had lots of knowledge and, you know, taught well, I never regretted it because they always were able to give me um, something from their per- their professional experience when they actually played with me, when they actually saw me play, that was something that I wasn't seeing. And going back to when I was talking about how I invested in private business coaching, right? I invested in business coaching because I needed someone to look through at my business through a lens that I wouldn't. I'm too close to it, right? So having that perspective is very helpful. And that's the same thing that private lessons can hopefully provide you as well. Okay. So those are really, to me, the pros. And those are really strong pros, by the way, right? So again, just to recap, because I do want to, I do want to kind of really emphasize those a little bit. Like the pro being that personalized experience, that pro being the skin in the game of doing that. And I also should actually mention one more pro that I almost skipped over here. And that is not always, but usually the private lesson requires you to actually show up somewhere. So even if it's through a a Zoom call, or it's actually physically in person, you're required to show up for the event versus do it on your very own time. Now, there are certain teachers that will do it that way. They'll be like, um, send me a recording. Okay, great. Now I'll videotape a lesson for you and send it your way. But usually, traditionally, private lessons work in such a way that you have to show up to the Zoom lesson and you have to show up for it physically, whatever it happens to be. And that's skin in the game of your actual time, right? So being actually being accountable for being there is definitely something that can be helpful, okay? All right, so let's talk about the cons now because there are most certainly cons to this approach, okay? So con number one, I was kind of alluding to earlier, and that is it has to be a good teacher because... There are a ton, my friends, a ton of bad teachers out there and bad for different reasons, right? So here's um, one that's very classic is perhaps you do decide I'm going to spend a decent chunk of change studying with so-and-so well-known jazz musician, right? Because they're so good at playing, right? So they must have something really amazing, a secret to teach me. You go show up for the lesson only to realize that at the end of the lesson, you didn't learn very much. And why is that? 
is because they may not actually be a good teacher. There's a huge difference between a great player and a great teacher. Huge difference between a great player and a great teacher, right? And honestly, that also goes for content creator as well. Like just a quick example, um, a couple of years ago, I hired a professional musician who's really good to make a course on a specific instrument for my inner circle members. I wanted to serve them in that way. So I hired this teacher to do it. Now, the mistake I made is this particular person was a great musician. Um, I didn't actually know their teaching abilities too much. I just knew that they did teach private lessons, but they were not used to recording in front of a camera and creating content, which is a totally different skill than even just teaching. It really is different. It's an art in and of itself, right? So sometimes you're going to get that. You're going to get a great player who's actually not a great teacher and therefore isn't able to actually help you as much as someone who is half as good as them, but actually a really good teacher. In fact, it is quite actually possible that you could study with someone who is not actually as good as you, but actually knows exactly how to coach you and help you. This happens all the time in sports. It's just, we don't usually think about it that way in terms of music, like in sports, all the coaches that are there, you know, coaching all these players are definitely not as good at playing hockey or football or soccer as the players out there, but they're professional coaches and know how to help, right? So that is a possibility, although I would recommend that whoever you're studying with, you do respect them and that you do actually admire their playing, okay? So that's a, that, that can be a con. If it's not a good teacher, then that doesn't work, right? Now, another con is if you don't study with someone long-term, you're probably not getting long-term benefits. So in other words, if you just study with someone on a one-off basis, you may get some great stuff out of that one lesson that will carry you for a while, but really that ongoing mentoring and support and accountability is really to me what the biggest value of private lessons is. It's like, here's information, great, but now I'm going to help hold you accountable. And when you come back next week, I want to see that you've done this, right? Because that's actually how we can keep that motivation factor going. Um, when someone else is holding us accountable, that's filling in the gap from what a membership in a, in a course can't do, right? Like a membership is like, you know, here it is, but there's as, as hard as, as someone like me can try, there's only so much accountability I can put into that. Whereas if you show up to a private lesson every single week, then you're getting that accountability. So it can be a con if you're only seeing a private lesson teacher on a one-off basis, okay? Because then it's kind of like, you know, yes, it's useful and it's not necessarily that you shouldn't do it. It's just that it's not as valuable or superior as some people might think it would be to the other ones we're talking about here. Now, the last con is only a con because when you're comparing it to some of the other ones we've talked about, it simply lacks in this department. And that is community, okay? So usually a private lesson is, again, done privately, one-to-one. Whereas when we talk about courses, but most certainly memberships, there's usually a community of other musicians involved. Like especially in our inner circle membership, we actually have a really vibrant community of other musicians who literally, a lot of them literally become friends. And part of what motivates them to do and keep going is 
they want to post what they're doing, their improvisation, so that their friends and their colleagues can actually see that they're doing things, right? That's the motivation factor. And I'm a strong believer of learning in community of some sort. So if you have a community, like there's a jam session you go to every single week, then great, right? Then you have it. Or you're going to school for music, great. Then you probably have a community, right? So community, especially when it comes to jazz, because jazz is such a communal music, it's really helpful for learning. So jazz really, I think in some sense, whether it's online or in person, it should be learned in community. And ultimately that's the goal anyways, is to play music with other people in some way. So that could be a huge advantage is a communal learning experience. And that's not what you're going to get from private lessons. Okay. So that being said, we've covered all the pros and cons of all these different ways to learn jazz. The question is, which one is the best one for you? And probably at this point, you may be coming to some conclusions for yourself. What I also want to point out, though, is that you don't have to exclude one over the other. Like, for example, you don't have to stop listening to this podcast because you decide you want to start working with a private teacher, right? If anything, it supplements it. It's just that if your private teacher is your main thing, then you want to make it your main thing. And you want to make listening to my podcast and actually taking action on the things in my podcast a side thing, right? Or for example, we have a lot of my members in my inner circle where the, the inner circle membership, that's their main thing. They really invest in that, right? But they're still listening to this podcast. In fact, a lot of them find it really helpful to listen to this podcast because there's something that they're hearing here that they might not be hearing there or I'm usually saying things that support the things that they're doing in their membership, right? Or for example, like let's just say that music books is your main thing. Like you just love music books. You learn really well with books. It's your thing. Okay, that's awesome. That doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't sometimes take a private lesson from a teacher, right? Or tune into a course, right? That might have a better pathway involved in it right? It just means that you have a main thing and then you have some other things that you do on the side, other resources to help you, right? So they don't have to be exclusive to each other. But given all this information, consider your budget, consider your motivation, your self-motivation levels, consider all these factors that may play into where you want to learn jazz. And hopefully this will give you a great starting point to go out and actually take action. All right, that's all for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate that. Hope this episode was helpful. Something a little different, but I think uh, something valuable as well. And by the way, if member a membership is something that you think would be the best resource for you to help learn jazz, then of course, we have our LGS Inner Circle membership. Go to lgsinnercircle.com and learn more about it there. All right, that's all for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Do appreciate you. We'll be coming out with another great episode next week. So make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and we'll see you back then. Happy practicing. Thanks for listening to the LJS podcast brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter.
Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.